Good morning, Jay family. Glad that we can uh, be here together. Glad that we can worship our God. It has been uh, a busy weekend already for our family and for many of us here as we've had a lot of different activities going on. want to uh, remind you, highlight some of those, and then also uh, let you know about some other opportunities that we've got coming up very soon. Uh, yesterday, we had a group of probably 30 or 40 of us, I guess, that met, and we had an opportunity to uh, deliver some meals. We called it uh, the JA Family Meals on Wheels, and we took those to uh, some local uh, members here that were uh, in need of that and just that we wanted to share that with them and that was a wonderful opportunity if you missed it uh, next time we do a meals on wheels maybe in february would certainly encourage you to come and be a part of that our kids came and they did a little craft for the folks that we took the meals to and we all ate a meal together before we uh, delivered that and our men's ministry uh, took care of preparing the food and that sort of thing so it was a wonderful opportunity i want to encourage you to uh, again be a part of those types of service projects uh, that we have here at, uh, at ja uh, tomorrow night for the men especially our men's ministry is going to do a this is a first one of a hopefully monthly event that we'll do we're calling wings and wisdom uh devin and i went to sam's a few weeks ago and bought all, just about all the wings they had in the freezer uh so we've got just about all the chicken wings that we can uh, we can cook and we're not going to cook them all tomorrow we've got them for a little while but we're going to have uh, wings and wisdom uh tomorrow night at six o'clock uh over in the gym i believe is where we'll do that so uh come in and uh, join us for that we'll have some wings and some food enjoy a meal together and then we'll also uh we're studying the book of proverbs uh we'll a few proverbs at a time and I've got the devotional tomorrow for that. So hope that you'll come and join us, uh, men, for that. I uh, do want to remind everybody about another service opportunity. Uh, we keep a pantry here uh, for folks that uh, come by and are needing some food and that sort of thing. And we give out at least a couple of bags a week. Uh, so we go through the food pretty quickly, and we are in need of some items in our pantry. So if you'll check out uh, either the bulletin, I believe the list is in the bulletin. It's also on the daily update if you get that email and bring that stuff in so that we can restock our pantry. I want to let you know about uh, all of those things. Uh, then a few other things. This is uh, the commercial portion of your service this morning. Uh, in four Sundays, uh, we have Super Sunday that we do just about every year. Uh, it is uh, the second Sunday of February, uh, and we do a church eat church that day. So we'll come here, we'll have Bible class, we'll have our worship, we'll meet over in the, uh, the gym, the fellowship center, have a meal together, and have a second uh, shorter service over there. Uh, while we're all together, hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Uh, it is like it was last year. It is uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, but it's super Sunday here where we have a soup themed potluck. Uh, so bring your uh, favorite soup, uh, chili, anything like that, and uh, share that with us. And, and let's be prepared uh, for that wonderful day. Uh, I think in the years past, we've had some some great, fantastic speakers. Uh, we've had some some people who have really had some great accomplishments. Uh, last year, we had a uh, college football national champion and NFL player, Willie Franklin. Uh, this year, we have Lena Brewster's husband, it's my wife. Uh, so uh, if you want to, you know, we have a, another accomplished uh, speaker, so come and be a part of that. It'll be a great day. We do have a, a special focus uh, for that day. We're going to talk about how we can be equipped as Christians. So we will talk about, it'll be an outside one-time kind of uh, lesson outside of our regular uh, series. So do come and be a part of that. Again, a church eat church. Invite your friends to come and, and join us for that day. Uh, it'll be a great day. And then uh, next Sunday also, I'll be on the marriage retreat with a number, I think about 16 other couples that are here. We'll be in, uh, over in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge area uh, for the marriage retreat. And we have another great and accomplished uh, speaker. He's uh, Sarah Lane's husband. Uh, so Bobby uh, will be uh, our speaker next Sunday. And he'll be speaking on our, our series of Don't Settle, which is part of our yearly theme of seeking to be better, seeking something greater than what God, uh, greater than what the world has to offer to us. And he will be talking about Don't Settle 
for despair. Don't settle for despair. And in our class, which is the Prime the Pump series for our sermon that we're doing here in January, uh, next week we're going to ask the question, uh, what's the point of trials? And, um, and are you okay with the fact that God allows you to suffer? So next Sunday morning, our class will be along the lines of, what's the point of trials, and are you okay that God allows you to suffer? And then the lesson will be that Bobby would preach to us, will be don't settle for despair. So I hope that you'll come and be a part of that. I know Bobby's put a lot of work into that, and the Bible class teachers are putting a lot of work into it. And again, I think, I think Don already mentioned it, but if you're not taking advantage of our Bible classes here, I would really highly encourage you to. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity to get to know people on a more uh, personal level when you're sitting beside somebody and, and interacting. Uh, and we also, there's probably... There is deeper Bible study in a Bible class even than we have uh, here in our sermons. So if you are looking to grow spiritually this year, uh, please come and be a part of uh, those types of things. Uh, this morning we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, if you want to turn your Bibles there. Again, if you don't have your Bible, uh, there's a pew Bible in front of you. And 2 Peter 1 starts on page 1018. 1018. Again, our, our theme so far for this year, well, it will be the theme for this year, is better. We're seeking something greater than what the world has to offer. And in January, we're talking about don't settle. Don't settle for uh, anything. Uh, don't settle for less than what God ha- has for you. Don't settle for what the world offers. Seek something greater than what the world has to offer. Uh, next week, don't settle for despair. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about don't settle for the same. Now, what I want us to do is in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 19, uh, it's the introductory comments of of Peter's last letter, the last recorded letter that we have uh, from the Apostle Peter. And I want us to turn this into a little bit of a discussion, and then we're going to get to the hub of the passage in verses 5 through, or 7 through 9. Let's see which one it is. 5 through 7, there it is. Uh, The hub of the passage in verses 5 through 7. We're going to jump around a little bit in those first uh, 19 verses of 2 Peter chapter 1. But when you think about the Apostle Peter, what do you think about? The Apostle Peter, probably the first thing that comes to your mind, it's the first thing that comes to my mind, that he's the guy who always spoke up quickly. And sometimes that worked out really well for him, right? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? He made the great confession, but he's also the one who, uh, you know, denounced Jesus or told Jesus to, hey, wait a second, you can't do that. You can't, you can't die, Jesus. That's not a part of the plan. And Jesus says, shortly after he's made, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, when he, he makes that great confession time frame and also biblically very shortly after that when he says you can't die you can't do that far be it from you I forbid it I won't let it happen uh, Jesus says to him get behind me Satan right so he's, he's he's a man Peter the apostle Peter is a man of highs and lows he's got some really strong spiritual highs where he makes great and strong statements of of faith and does great things and he's got some some really low lows again he uh, runs away from uh from Jesus like the other apostles do upon his arrest in, uh, the, in the garden. And remember, he's the one that denies Jesus three times before the rooster crows. So he's got those low lows, but he's also the one who preaches the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter 2 and tells people to, hey, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So just extremely high highs and some pretty seriously low lows. Maybe you and I can relate to him because of that. Because I've had and you've had some really great times where we have stood strong for the Lord or experienced the type of fellowship that we have as a a church family and just been really enthusiastic and on fire for the Lord. And then we've probably had some times where we've failed. 
And we've fallen woefully short of the blessings that God has given to us and the opportunities that he has given to us to stand up for him. So I can, I can relate to Peter uh, a lot, and maybe you can too. So this is Peter's last letter that we have recorded in the Bible for sure. And in his, in his letter, in this, these verses we'll read this morning, he indicates and understands that he is he's pretty old at this point, and he's close to death, Okay. So let's think about this as a little bit of a conversation. Again, we're going we're gonna to jump around a lot. Uh, if you're normal here or if you're not normal here, none of us are really normal. Uh, but if you're here a lot, uh, you know that I jump around a little bit. But sometimes uh, one thing that, that I do if, if you're not normal, if you're not regularly here, uh, is uh, read, the, read the later verses first and then jump back up to the earlier verses. And it's, it's interesting when you do that, sometimes you, you appreciate things in a different way. At least I do. That's the way my mind works. So First Peter chapter, second Peter, excuse me, chapter one, uh, the apostle Peter. Maybe we would ask, hey, Peter, uh, you're pretty old now, and you're getting close to the point of death. Any last words? Second Peter chapter one, starting in verse one. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. So that's how he identifies himself. To those who have received the same kind of faith as ours. Okay, Peter, what kind of faith is that? Faith by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the full knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Skip down to verse 12 and let's read through verse 19, verses 12 through 19. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been strengthened in the truth which is present in you. Okay, so it says, therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Okay, well, we skipped what these things are. We'll get there, okay? But notice how important he makes it sound, these things, whatever they are, and we'll get there in a minute. Notice how important. I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been strengthened in the truth, which is present within you. I consider it right, Peter says, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent and also our Lord Jesus has indicated to me. Did you notice that? Notice verse 14. Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. He says... I know, I feel like death is approaching. And then he also says, and Jesus has told me death is approaching. He realizes these are some of the last words he'll write, some of the last messages that he'll write. But he says, I want to remind you of these things. It's the right thing for me to do, to remind you of these things. Verse 15, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Can you think about somebody in your life that is, has meant a lot to you, that you had a lot of conversations with, and they've passed on now? And, and maybe you think, you know, my mom always used to say, or my dad always used to say, or this guy always used to say, and you, and you have that phrase, they always used to say this. And, and, and that was something that in their life, in their conversations with you, it was something that was a recurring theme, and they, they wanted, it was something that was important to them, that was on their mind a lot, and because it was on their mind a lot, and they talked about it a lot, it was important to them, when you think about them, you think about that. As you think about the person, you think about the thought. As you think about the life they lived, you think about the message they left. Well, Peter says here, listen, I want, when you remember me, I want you to remember these things. Okay, so listen, this is, this is important. Think about, again, who, who the apostle Peter is. Highs and lows and the experiences that he had going along with Jesus and, and, and uh, all the things that he experienced being a follower of Jesus, the things that he, that he witnessed, the things that he was a part of. Remember, he's, he's walking on water with Jesus. Nobody else did that. Uh, Peter, James, and John are there when Jairus' daughter is healed. None of the other apostles are there. 
He experiences a number of different things that, that not a whole lot of other people, very, very few people experienced. And he's saying in his last words, when you think of me, I want you to think of this. And when we get to it, it's, it's a simple life-altering process that he is going to offer to us today. Peter, you got any last words? Yes, I've got some things I want you to know. As a matter of fact, I've got some things that when I'm gone and you think of me, this is what I want you to think about. Look at verse 16. For we did not know, uh, we did not make known to you uh, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus following cleverly devised myths, but being eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, again, eyewitnesses of his majesty. I was there. I understood these things. I saw these things. For when he received honor and glory from the from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Okay, well, let's, let's back up and notice the reference here. Again, Jesus, or Peter walks on the water with Jesus. Uh, J- Peter, James, and John are there for a, a number of things that none of the other apostles, that, that's Jesus' inner circle. So he sees a, a number of things. And one of the things that they understand, that they experience, that nobody else experiences, is that they go up on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, right? They go up there with Jesus, and, and as, as they're there, and they're, they're spending time together, all of a sudden, uh, miraculously, divinely, Moses and Elijah show up. And it seems like Jesus and Moses and Elijah are having a conversation like only they could have. Uh, you can't imagine what they're, they're even talking about. None of that conversation is recorded to us. But Peter, again, the guy who speaks up, he says, God, Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's do something about this. Let's mark this special occasion and let's build a, a tabernacle, a tent, a place of worship for you, Jesus, and for Moses and for Elijah. This is a big deal. And then out of heaven, God speaks and says, this, Jesus, is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. We have this, this message. And, and again, to me, it's amazing that Peter, at the end of his life, as he's recounting some of the things, the one thing he wants us to remember is what? Jesus is God's beloved son. Listen to him. Live for him. Verse number 18 And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have as more sure the prophetic word, the the prophecy that God has given to us, to which you, us today, and certainly them in the first century, you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises. Peter, do you have any last words? Yes, I've got some last words. And if I were to summarize what we've read so far, Jesus is God's beloved son. Follow him, live for him. That's what Peter would want us to think about. Okay, great, Peter. That's awesome. Hey, I got a, I have a really practical question, Peter. How do I do that? You, you know, live for Jesus. Yeah, okay, I got it. I understand. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I want to do that. But, but, but how do I do that, Peter? What, is, what does that look like? What would you tell me before uh, you leave this earth? Let's go back to verse 3. Go back to verse 3 and let's read verses 3 and 4. Seeing that his, God's divine power, I, I can't not stop there seeing that God's divine power, and we know most of us know the rest of the, the phrase there, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's given us everything we need to know about this life and everything we need to know about ple- being pleasing to God. That's powerful, but according to his divine power, that's the power that said, let there be light, and there was light. It's the power that said, let the water all gather into one place, and he created the dry land and created the oceans. It's the power that breathed the breath of life into mankind and created us. 
according to that power. He has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, his own glory and excellence, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, those precious and magnificent promises, you, you and I, Christian today, may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. We've escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust by taking on the divine nature. We have sought something greater than what the world has to offer because Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here's the deal that we need to remember and that the world needs to know. God has something greater. God has something better. We talked about in our Bible class this morning, I think a question that, that John asked as he was teaching, for, for so many intelligent people in the world, if, why are they attracted to darkness rather than light? For some of them, Maybe for many of them, they don't know any better. Uh, other verses that we read in our Bible class was that uh, they, they've been blinded and can't see the light for whatever reason. But, but we need to know as the church, we need to get out into the world and tell them God has something better for them. So how do I live for Jesus? Well, he talks about uh, knowledge. He talks about uh, partakers of precious and magnificent promises, taking on the divine nature. Skip down to verses uh, 8 through 11. For if these are yours and increasing, okay, well, again, you know, we, we read earlier and uh, that therefore I always be ready to remind you of these things in verse 12 when we still haven't talked about those things. Look at verse eight. For if these things are yours and increasing, we still haven't talked about those things. Again, I promise we'll get there. For if these things are yours and increasing, again, notice the value that Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, places upon these things we're gonna talk about. If these things are yours and increasing, it hasn't stopped, you're not there yet, you're continuing to grow. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the full knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to be beneficial to God? Do you want to be a, a servant of God that's, that's useful and not worthless? I would dare say that everyone who's a Christian in here, everyone who's a believer in God wants to be useful for the Lord. And sometimes we get that mixed up and we say, I, I, want, to be, I want to be useful, I want to do great things. And sometimes we think about that for our glory, but that's not what this is talking about, certainly. He's talking about, can you be useful and fruitful and not worthless and unfruitful for God's glory? If these things are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the full knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 through 11 again here. For, if, for in whom these things are not present, that one is blind, being nearsighted, having forgotten the purification from his former sins. Again, if you don't have these things in your life that we're going to get to here in just a minute, you're, you're blind and you're short-sighted. Okay, now, what are you blind and short-sighted about? It's not, it's not so much your works or, or how useful you are or how good you are or what, what things you can accomplish, but what have you forgotten? You've forgotten, and notice what it says again in verse number nine, forgotten the purification from your former sins. Again, Christians this morning, where are you at in your faith? Where are you at in your relationship with God? He says, Peter says, if you don't have these things that we're getting to, if you don't have these things in your life, if they're not increasing, if this isn't a part of who you are, then you're blind. You're short-sighted. And ultimately, you're blind and short-sighted because you have forgotten to appreciate the purification from sins. Have you been there before? It is easy to forget the blessings that we have when we don't keep them ever before us. When's the last time you were thankful that you have a house to go to? Maybe it hasn't been that long, but for most of us, we take it for granted. 
When's the last time you were thankful for the fact that you could go to a gas station and fill up your car with gas? Gas prices are back lower now, so we're not as thankful. When they were really high, we thought about it a whole lot. But we take that for granted. When's the last time you were thankful, genuinely, honestly thankful for a good meal in front of you? Most of the blessings that we have, we take for granted. And if we don't remember the purification from sins, if we don't remember our old manner of life, if we don't remember the fact that we were lost but now have been found as Christians, then we won't appreciate those things either. We'll be blind and short-sighted. Verse 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and choosing sure, for in doing these things, again, we're getting to them, doing these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. If you do these things, if these things are yours and increasing, then the, the entrance into the kingdom of our Lord will be abundantly supplied to you. Now, again, that's something I'm interested in. Entrance into the kingdom of our Lord, being with God in eternity, having a relationship with God now. And it says it will be abundantly supplied to you. Now, we know this can't be talking about the more that I do, the more saved that I am, because that's not the way salvation works. We're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. But we're also created in Christ Jesus for good works. But, but I don't think this is talking about the importance of, of our works It's just talking about the importance of God's blessings and that it will be abundantly supplied to you. I think if if I I struggle with this verse trying to understand what does it mean that the entrance into the kingdom of our Lord will be abundantly supplied to us. I don't don't think it's talking about there's different levels of heaven that some people are going to have the the nicer mansions in heaven and other people are going to have shacks in heaven. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I don't think there's degrees of of salvation or or any of those types of things. So so what's it it talking about? That this salvation, this entrance entrance into the kingdom of our Lord will be abundantly supplied to us. Again, I think it's, I think it's the fact that as a Christian, again, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, the, tenor, the entire tenor of scripture, as a Christian, as a, follow, as a Christian, you're not just saved, you are a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, what will you do? Follow him. Do the things that he did. Say that the things that he said. Live the way that he lived. Sacrifice the way that he sacrificed. You'll follow Jesus, and that includes works. But I think the, the abundance that's supplied to us of entrance into the kingdom is that we just don't get how great heaven's going to be, how great eternity with God is going to be. I don't know that we can appreciate just how awesome it's going to be to be in the presence of God. I, I can't wait one day to talk to Peter face-to-face or whatever it will be like in eternity. Peter, what was it like to walk on the water towards Jesus? Paul, what was it like when, what did it, can you even wrap your mind around it or tell me how to understand when you were, were stoned and beaten and left for dead? How did you maintain your, your faith and your trust in God? Jesus. How excited are you to see the face of Jesus? to talk to Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to spend eternity with Jesus. I don't think we can appreciate that entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to us. How, how, Peter, how do I live for Jesus? And then we get to the hub of this passage, verses 5 through 7. 
And again, I think Peter offers to us a simple, it's not hard to understand, but a life-altering, it will change your life if you will follow this process. And I think it is a process. You know, you think about uh, the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in other parts of the Scripture, that uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know that that's so much a process. I think there's some 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 areas that, that maybe some of those can be grouped into that apply to different things in our life maybe. But here, it, it is a process. There's a step one, a step two, a step three, and it's building. It is, it is a, a growth model, okay? So if we're talking about, I want to be better, if you're talking about, I've got resolutions this year, like Don talked about, hey, I want to become a better Christian. I want to get better at this, better at that. I want to seek something greater than what the world has to offer. Well, Peter here offers to us a simple but life-altering process. And, and my opinion is, and I'm pretty sure it's right, that's why it's my opinion, uh, that if you're a Christian this morning, you are somewhere in the, in this process. And I don't think it's, I don't think we ever really get to the end of this process. I think it's a renewed, maybe day by day, certainly regularly, we, we continually go through this process, but there's no doubt in my mind that we are at this pro, in this process somewhere. And it's very possible that some of us have stopped somewhere in this process. And that's, that's not the point of the process, okay? Some, some of us have stopped, and I want you to think about this morning. Here's my challenge to you right now as we read this. Where are you at in this process? Because I think you are somewhere. I know that I am somewhere in this process. And it's not that you've achieved anything. You haven't arrived yet because we're not, we're not an attorney with, with God yet. But where are you at in this process, okay? Again, verses 5 through 7, super simple, changes your life if you're doing it, okay? Verse 5. Now, for this very reason, okay, what what reason? Because we've escaped the corruption of the world by lust, verse 4, because we've become partakers of the divine nature, because they have been granted to us by his promise, uh, his magnificent promises, his precious and magnificent promises through his own glory and excellence. This is verses 3 through 5. For this very reason, because God's been so good to you, because God's been so good to us as Christians, for this very reason also, applying all diligence... In your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. All right, where are you at in that process? I don't think those words, those phrases are hard to understand. But I want to make them easier to understand. So let's walk through it, okay? In all diligence... And we've talked about this maybe in a Sunday night sermon, maybe in a Sunday morning sermon, but but like Peter, I'm eager. It's right for me to remind you of these things. So if you've heard this before, you get to hear it again. In all diligence, what what does it mean to be diligent? You got to put forth some effort. Brothers and sisters, you will not grow if you do not try. All of us have the, we want to grow. All of us will say, I want to be a good follower of Jesus. I want to. And want to is important. You've got to want to. But you've got to put forth some effort. If you want to grow, if you want to become more like Jesus, God's going to do his work. You cannot do it alone, but God won't do it without you. God's not going to snap his fingers, say the words, and you just be a mature Christian or a maturing Christian or more like Jesus. That's not how it works. You can't do it alone, but God will not do it without you. In all diligence. It's not just a little bit of diligence. It's all diligence. Are you there? Where are you at in this process? 
in your faith, and again, you know if you're regularly here uh, that I simply like to define faith as trust. And your trust in who God is, again, verses three through five, because of those precious and magnificent promises through his own glory and might, through all the wonderful things that God has given to us, I trust, I have faith in what God says, who he is and what he has promised to me. And in, all, in, my, in my faith, I want to supply moral excellence. Okay, well, what's moral excellence? Again, in a very simple way, I would define it as you want to do the right thing. Again, it's a want to. It's a moral excellence. I want to be who God wants me to be. Is that where you're at today? Is that where you've stopped today? To your moral excellence, you supply knowledge, okay? Just like in every part of life, if you want to do something, be good at something, be aware of something, you generally have to learn, okay, well, how do I do that? In your Moral excellence, supply knowledge. I want to do the right thing, so I'm going to see what does God say the right thing to do is. I'm going to pray to him and ask him to help me, and then I'm going to be smart enough to say, hey, he already has helped me in some ways. Let me study his word. You know, I have people come to me, and I'm sure that Google has people come to them that say, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that have you done that before i know you have okay i have and that's nothing wrong with that but i think when we think about in your moral excellence supply knowledge and this process of becoming better and growing it wouldn't it be better if we were already in the word regularly so that we didn't have to go to google and say hey what's the bible say about this or we even had to go to the preacher or we could go to our brothers and sisters in Christ, our, our mature brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, a, it's an important part that we have a family to go to. But, but shouldn't we, since we can, because you can, shouldn't we already be in the Word? So maybe we've already got an answer for it. And in that moment, we can apply it. In your moral excellence, supply knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. What's self-control? In this process that we're talking about, I would simply define it as, I want to do right, I learn what is right, I do right. Self-control. I know what's wrong, I know what's right because I've studied it and I start to do it. Then it says add perseverance or endurance. Again, I, I want to do right, I learn what's right, I do right. But sometimes doing right gets tough, but I'm enduring it, I'm persevering, so I'm going to keep doing right even when it's not easy. And then it says add godliness. Well, what's godliness? Godliness, I, oftentimes I've thought about godliness as I want to be like God. And I don't think that's wrong, but I think again in this process it's talking about my relationship with God. Because of everything God has done for me, I've got faith in him. I trust him. Because I trust him, I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to do the right thing. I've got moral excellence. And and that moral excellence is not just a a want to, but I learn what it is. I do it. I keep doing it. And because of that, I add godliness. It's my relationship with God. It's a commitment to God. I do the right thing. I keep doing the right thing. And my relationship with God grows because he brings me through difficult times and he shows me the benefits of following him doing the right things the thing that he has told me to do but it doesn't stop there right it's not just about my relationship with God then he says add brotherly kindness well what is brotherly kindness and what's the difference between brotherly kindness and the next one which is love those sound pretty similar those are definitely relational statements here you'll notice that again it started with my faith my desire to do the right thing me doing the right thing me keeping doing the right thing my relationship with God but it doesn't stop with my relationship with God Being better, being a mature Christian, it goes out of me and into others. Brotherly kindness. 
That's you. That's us. I'm going to add brotherly kindness because it's not just my faith, it's our faith. It's just not my eternity, it's our eternity. It's not just my life, it's our life. We're doing life together. We're living together. We are a family. And I love you. And you love me. And we love each other. And we're helping each other brotherly kindness. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. To that you add love. And that love there is that word agape. And that word agape is this word, this desire of having or seeking what is best for others. So yes, that's part of brotherly kindness in my relationship with you. But it doesn't stop inside these walls. And if it does stop inside these walls, then we're not through the process yet, right? It's a process. We're growing. We're becoming more of who God wants me to be. That means the people that live over here on the other side of the parking lot in the tents, I love them. People standing on the street corner every day. It's easy to look away from, and I don't know what the answer is practically, and I don't think necessarily the best answer is giving them money, but helping them, I love them. And the people that are my next-door neighbors, whether I like them and we get along or we don't always get along, I love them. The people at my job, I love them. My best friends, I love them. My worst enemies, I love them. Brothers and sisters, it's not hard to understand. Hard to put into practice sometimes. But I want to be better, don't you? Don't you want to be more like Jesus? I trust that you do. My question and my challenge for you this morning is, in that process that the apostle the inspired writer, the one who the Spirit spoke through and pinned on paper for a message for all of eternity, for all time here on earth, has given to us is, do you have faith in Jesus? Because of all the amazing things that he's done to you, the promises that he's granted, you being able to be a partaker of the divine nature, you can become more like God, more like Jesus. You have faith in that because you're not short-sighted, because you haven't forgotten the blessing of your salvation. No, you appreciate it. You appreciate the fact that some 2,000 years ago, there was God who left heaven, came to this earth, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died a horribly painful, torturous death. And on the third day rose again. You appreciate that. You appreciate the fact that you believe in that. That you are willing to confess him as your Lord. Commit your life to him. You've been baptized if you're a Christian. You've been baptized into his blood. You've raised up out of that water a new creature forgiven of your sins. You're a Christian. If you're not that, we want you to be that. But if you are that, you're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. You have faith in Jesus. So what do you want to do? You want to do the right thing you want to have moral excellence and in that moral excellence if you want to do the right thing you got to figure out what the right thing is where are you at in this process you want to know what the right thing is so you've studied god's word yes you come to services on sunday mornings and you listen to some guy talk and sometimes he says some good things and sometimes he doesn't but you come to church when you come to bible class because in bible class you're going to have deeper conversations and you want to learn about god because you appreciate the things that he's done so you come to bible class and you spend time with fellow christians and you talk about spiritual things and you're growing and you yourself individually every day some way somehow you listen to god's word because you appreciate what god has done for you you want to do the right thing and you add that knowledge 
and you've started to do the right thing. You've made some changes in your life. Maybe years ago you made some changes. Maybe yesterday you made some changes. Maybe today you still need to make some changes, but you've got self-control because it's a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives within you if you're a Christian, and He is producing within you a desire and an effort to make sure you're doing the right thing. But sometimes it gets tough, doesn't it? It's easier to not do the right thing. It's easier to lie. It's easier to cheat and cut corners. It's easier to make yourself happy than do what God wants you to do. But you persevere. You have endurance because you're in this process and you keep doing the right thing. You're not perfect. No one saved Jesus ever has been. You're not perfect. But you keep trying to do the right thing. And because of that, you have godliness in your life. Your relationship with God is is growing and it's good and it's positive. And if somebody, listen, where are you at in this process? If somebody were to ask you today, hey, how's your relationship with God? You'd say, you would say, hey, I'm not perfect, but he is. And I'm fully relying on him. And I'm trying to live my life in a response to who he is. I've got a relationship with God. I've got godliness in my life. But that godliness doesn't stop with you. And if it does stop with you, where are you at in this process? Then you're not where you need to be yet. You've got brotherly kindness. That means the people to the left of you, the people to the right of you, the people up there, the people down here, the people who aren't here, the people who are other places, who are followers of Jesus. You've got a relationship with them. You love them. You care about them. You're doing what you can not only to get yourself to heaven, but to get them to heaven. But it doesn't stop there. You've got love. Love for your friends. Love for your family, love for your enemies. And it doesn't even stop there. Then you still want to go back and remember Jesus and you want to do the right thing and you learn what the right thing to do is and maybe you learn something new in your life as you're studying God's word and you say, man, I never knew that before and that doesn't line up with my life. I've got to make some changes. And you go through self-control and you add endurance and you add godliness and you add brotherly kindness and you add love and you do that all the way to the doorsteps of heaven. To eternity with God forever. Because you want to be better. Because you're a follower of Jesus. Where are you at in the process this morning? Where have you stopped? Have you stopped? Have you taken a break? Have you been a Christian for decades? And you've become short-sighted, blind, and appreciating your salvation? Crank that engine back up. Keep going through that process. There's still growth for all of us. And there's still a great need that all of us have for each other and certainly that the world has for the church. This morning, brothers and sisters, where are we at? Where are we going? And what are we doing to continue to grow? This morning, if you're not a Christian, I believe in a God that said, let there be light and there was light. I believe in a God who sent his only beloved son to this earth to live a perfect life, to die and to rise again so that we could have the hope of eternal life. If you don't have that hope in your life, just let me sit down and talk to you about it. Show you what God's word says and show you how you have the opportunity to be a follower of Jesus. I would love that opportunity and so many other people here would, have to, would love that opportunity. If you're going through a tough time, uh, Christians go through tough times. We go through difficulty, tragedy, sadness, uh, but we have a hope that surpasses all of that. If you need that hope, we want to share it with you. If you're ready to become a Christian, and what do you have to do to be ready to become a Christian? Do you believe Jesus is the resurrected Son of God? Will you 
name him as the Lord of your life. Will you submit to baptism where all your sins are washed away and you begin a journey of wanting to do the right thing, learning to do the right thing, doing the right thing, continuing to do the right thing, growing your relationship with God, and sharing that with others. If you're interested in any of that, in just a second, Jacob's going to come and lead us on. We're going to stand. This is our practice. This is what we do. It's not a big deal. But if you want to come forward and sit on one of these front pews, I'll be up here to talk to you. Some of our shepherds might come up here if we have more than one. I'd love for, I'd love for you to come. It's not my invitation, though. It's God's. He invites you to seek something greater than what the world has to offer. If you're uncomfortable coming up, up here, I get it. I understand. I'll be in the back. Our, our shepherds will be around. People around you right now will probably love to talk to you. But if there's something in your relationship with God that isn't where it needs to be, don't leave it there. Let's move forward. Move closer to God and let's do it together. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.